0: Welcome to episode number 88, Emotions and Feelings. I'm your host, Damon Soka. Today's topic comes from an article I read recently about emotions and feelings and the differences and definitions between them. The article itself was not necessarily profound, but it talked about emotions and feelings in a way that I have not yet addressed them. Now, after reading the article, the ideas and definitions behind emotions and feelings, it really had me pondering the idea from the perspective of the gospel and what we know about our pre-mortal life, and the fusing of our spirit and body into a dual-functioning entity. Now, I have not separated emotions and feelings into their psychological definitions in my previous podcasts. I really use the terms almost identically. I have no doubt that I drove a few psychologists mad as I discussed mental illness and our emotional and mental state of feelings without proper definitions and usage of the terms. But after reading this article... realize that it makes good sense to separate these two words into their respective definitions and then really to discuss them in terms of a gospel premortality and mortality. And now before I get to the real definitions of the words, understand that even psychology has difficulty with them in some senses. They can't even fully decide on how many base emotions exist and really in some ways struggle to pin down the human, human experience as far as emotion and feelings. This doesn't mean that they don't have some solid points of agreement and discussion. It means that the field of the study itself is more subjective than one might think, and there are still many unanswered questions. Also, it is important to note that science, in its somewhat feeble attempt to make everything relate to evolution, attempts to parse how each one of these defined emotions came about during evolution. In doing so, they ignore one of the most basic principles of life as we know it within church doctrine. Emotions and feelings, as we view it from the gospel perspective, and that is life and mortality and pre-mortal life, is dependent upon an immortal spirit that has existed before mortality and even before our mortal bodies. Meaning, in essence, we have two origins of our emotions and feelings that combine together to form our emotional experience. We have those emotions and experiences from our spirit and those emotional experiences from, a mort- from our mortal body. Also, it's important to note that the Spirit has already developed a sophisticated, experienced set of emotions and feelings before we even entered mortality. We come pre-programmed, as it were, from a previous life of experienced emotions and feelings. This previously developed emotional experience is and can be referred to as our conscience or the light of Christ. It is the light we bring with us from those celestial teachings and trainings provided by our Father mother and of course our savior now these spiritual emotional states are incredibly important when it comes to the acceptance of gospel principles understanding the voice of the spirit and really a naturally occurring emotional connection to obedience to gospel principles while we are not currently able to access our experiences that developed our pre-mortal emotional state we do have a full access to those emotions derived from the experiences, as a guide to living in this fallen world. All right, so now to our definitions. Emotions in our mortal bodies are defined as the underlying physiological changes that cause feelings, meaning in a more simplified format that emotions are the body chemistry that gives rise to feelings, and feelings are an interpretation of that body chemistry. One of the easiest ways to understand it is explained by a fear of spiders, of course arachnophobia. When a person who fears spiders sees a spider their body reacts to it. Then the chemical and neuro- neurological signals give rise to what we feel as fear or disgust in this case. And then every time we feel those same neurological signals within our experiences with our mortal bodies in chemistry we feel it as fear. The same can be said of happiness, sadness, surprise, disgust, and anger. Each of them give rise to a set of body chemistry, physiological changes, and we interpret them as happiness, sadness, surprise, disgust, and anger. Now, the emotions that come about due to external or internal stimulus generally live in our unconscious, so subconsciously, but are interpreted consciously as feelings. Now, the six emotions I just mentioned are what is termed as the basic set of mortal body emotions and of course you'll find that psychology has debated the exact amount and type of emotions for many years. I am not going to dredge through that mire and debate as to how many or exactly what are the base set of emotions. What I am going to do today is to define emotions as the underlying unconscious motivation for our feelings, whether that motivation is neurological, chemical, spiritual, or physiological. It will give rise to interpreted feelings that actually drive us to action. Now, I'm also going to say for purposes of the discussion that our spiritual bodies are built very similarly to our mortal bodies in that physiologic, physiological changes in our spirit, emotions, give rise to spiritual feelings. So, in essence, we possess really two motivational emotional sources deep within us that drive what we feel. The mortal emotional system and the spiritual emotional system, which, by the way, may not always be in sync with one another. Many times, the spiritual emotional system is in direct contradiction to the mortal emotional system, and this causes great distress, as anyone who has ever experienced mental illness can tell you. As we discuss the emotional motivation from the spiritual body, the scriptures provide a reasonably solid base for both our spiritual emotions and and feelings based on the definitions. For instance, if you are feeling charitable, then your emotions should resemble the definitions found in Moroni 7:45. And charity, which charity is the emotion, it suffereth long, is kind, envieth not, is not puffed up, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things endureth all things. Now what is interesting about the definition of the emotion of charity is that it uses feelings to describe the underlying emotional motivation. Charity is a composite emotion that motivates various types of feelings in us described actually in that verse. Because, is it, because it is the underlying emotion that causes us to feel certain ways, it is important to understand what the scriptures really have to say about these underlying emotions. Now, first of all, how did we even develop or attain these underlying emotions? Where do they come from besides just saying premortality? Uh, the scriptures, again, are not entirely clear as to how we came into consciousness in the sense of specifics. From what can be somewhat gleaned from the from the few scriptures available, we existed in some form before we were given spiritual bodies. We also had some type of agency uh, as well. But beyond that, we know very little, except that due to our positive inf- Development in specific ways, we were chosen to be God's children, and born into spiritual bodies, and became His sons and daughters. Now we are not told how this was done in any form, except that it happened. But we can assume that this consciousness, before it became a spirit son or daughter, had probably desires, emotions, and feelings, and due to our righteous choices, was given the opportunity to become a son or daughter of God. Now, I personally, and again, I'm going to to reiterate this, I personally believe that this is where our emotions begin. However, simplistic those emotions might have been at that time. We were motivated in various ways as, as a spiritual entity. Now, the scriptures do note in Abraham 3 regarding the spirit children of God that each of us was very different in our spiritual, emotional nature and obedience to our parentage, both mother and father. It can be assumed that we developed our emotional nature or underlying motivations that give rise to feelings during our sojourn in pre-mortal life, with our father, with our father and mother in heaven watching over us. What is not explained in any real detailed way is how each of us developed so differently when it came to these underlying emotions. We know that from scripture that really no unclean thing can live in the presence of God which in essence means a spirit that possesses an emotional state contrary to the nature of God, could not have lived with him. And so only certain emotions could be allowed to exist in celestial life. But it seems that many of us, perhaps the majority, did not develop these underlying emotions perfectly. We probably developed them, but just not perfectly, meaning we didn't develop them in sufficient quantity or quality. And we see before coming to this earth that even one-third of those of us chose against this celestial emotions or a celestial nature and followed their own course into eternal darkness. We also see that many will inherit the lowest kingdom of glory, as noted in Doctrine and Covenant 76. If you consider the number of spirits that have not and did not develop a true celestial nature or this set of celestial emotions based on this one-third who were lost before mortality and numerous hosts talked about by the prophet, and, prophet Joseph in Doctrine and Covenant 76, who would find themselves in the celestial kingdom, then developing a celestial set of emotions was not as common as one would think it to be considering a celestial parentage who did possess those same celestial emotions and attributes. For me, this is one of the great mysteries of the premortal life. How did so many of Father's children lose their way? Now, what is certain from what small evidence we have in the scriptures is that we did mature as spiritual beings with very developed emotional motivations before coming to this earth. Some had developed their emotional state sufficiently that the Father could call them to specific assignments, fully confident that they would complete their missions on the earth. He called these individuals the noble and great ones. They would not be perfect in their sojourn on the earth, but their individual natures or celestial emotional motivations were so developed that there was little to no chance that they would not complete their missions and return to celestial life. The Lord had great confidence in them because of their nature and their obedience in the premortal life. This is also the reason why children who die before the age of accountability can receive a celestial designation without any real testing and mortality. Their spiritual natures, their celestial emotional state were so developed that there was little need for testing and trials for development. So each of us has, has a very developed spiritual set of emotions that respond to, of course, spiritual stimuli. Now, as we can see from the significant variation in obedience and acceptance of gospel principles in premortality, and that even our world today, there exists a wide development of spiritual emotions in the premortal life. Some today respond very easily to spiritual stimuli in the gospel message, and others do not respond at all. This is simply evidence of their celestial emotional development in the premortal life. Now, when we talk about these spiritual emotional motivations in the scriptures, the word most used to describe them is the heart. Now, Alma uses the metaphor of the spiritual heart as he discusses the change of heart fairly extensively, actually, in his sermon to to the membership in Zarahemla in Alma 5. And there are some interesting ideas he notes about a change of heart that are important to understand about our spiritual emotional development the first is is that he discusses a change of heart a changed heart not as changing our underlying emotions by our own will or by ourselves but that a change is wrought upon our hearts meaning that some type of external stimulus is overshadowing our emotional conditions and causing a change to occur or what is often referred to as a change of nature or change of heart Now, he notes that it is the spirit that causes this change to occur and that the change requires we ask in faith and also seek to demonstrate our faith by changing our actions. Now, he also notes that one can have a change of heart, but also revert back to our previous motivations if continued development is not pursued, meaning that for a change of heart to stick, one has to continually seek it. Now, while Alma mentions that an initial large change of heart can occur, He also discusses the idea that the change most often occurs over time rather than all at once by stating that he himself had fasted and prayed many days to have the change of heart occur in his life. Alma also noted something very important about the intertwining of the spirit body and mortal physical body. Our physical body comes with a set of emotions built in by genetics, culture, and even our mortal parentage teachings sometimes trauma and other external sources. He notes that often the spirit and the body coexist with differing motivations and that allowing the physical body preference over the spiritual is problematic and often sinful in nature. He notes that by allowing the physical body emotions to take preference over the spiritual, one can change the nature of our spiritual emotional motivations and they will begin to mirror the lesser physical body motivations, meaning that if we allow our physiological, mortal emotions to overtake the spiritual by our own choice, then the spiritual will begin to look a lot like the mortal. In almost every case, that is bad for spiritual nature. Now, this leads me to some important ideas regarding emotional motivations, feelings, and what we've experienced in this life, and more especially when it comes to mental illness. As I have said, we have two competing emotional motivations within our body, those of our physiological body, our physical body, and those of the spiritual body. Under normal conditions, meaning outside of mental illness, the emotional state that gets nurtured is the one that typically develops and presides, meaning that if we nurture the spiritual, our mortal emotional state becomes more like our spiritual. And of course, it works the other way around. However, under conditions of mental illness, the emotional state of the mortal body ramps up significantly to the point that the spiritual-emotional state is often drowned out by the river of mortal emotional depression, anxiety, or mania. Meaning that the physiological body expands and deepens the mortal emotions so significantly that, it's, that it often overpowers the spiritual ones. This doesn't mean that we don't ever feel, feel the spiritual-emotional undercurrent. It simply means that its influence will be less effective in our lives, even when we are trying desperately our best to listen and develop our spiritual nature. What mental illness does, in effect, is to turn up the volume of the mortal physiological emotions so that what we feel is the overwhelming feelings of depression, anxiety, and, of course, even mania. Now, this emotional river of mud and debris clouds our every thought, judgment, and motivation, and causes serious distress to occur between the two motivational sources. Our spiritual motivational source is desperately attempting to talk to us about truth, about what we're doing good, about those who love us, those who are helping us and who we are helping, and really how well we are doing in the gospel, while our our physiological emotions are telling us about worthlessness, darkness, doubt, sadness, pain, and just how badly we are doing in the gospel. Now, when these two deeply entwined motivational forces run against each other, there is going to be pain and suffering, and that pain and suffering causes us to attempt to reconcile the two motivations, spiritual and mortal. It is very difficult to live in a body tearing itself apart at the very foundational level of emotions. My experience has been that I struggled for days with the disconnect between the two, and then often just give in to the depression or anxiety, so that at least the pain and suffering lessens from the disconnect. As I've talked with others, they've expressed the same idea. The fight between the two is painful. And that pain increases as the episode progresses until you give in to those overwhelming feelings of the mental illness. Now, giving in may not make much sense to those who have never suffered. But for those of us who have deeply suffered, giving in makes perfect sense, given the level of emotional distress and pain experienced during the episodes. Now, I am not advocating that we should give in. I just understand why we do That fast-moving river of mortal emotions brought about by mental illness is strong and it is consistent. It feels as though no matter what we do, that river of negative emotions is never going to abate. We feel as though we've lost control. And I think in some senses that's probably true because our emotions, those underlying physiological changes, are not generally part of our conscious thoughts. We have no real way to address them. They're subconscious. Mental illness does not attack us at the interpretation level of our feelings, but at the motivational level deep in our subconscious. This is why we can't just snap out of it or change our mood. The illness is directly affecting the most foundational level of our motivation that gives rise to our feelings and our thoughts. So in so doing, it changes how we perceive the world around us and how we interpret that world. Where we should be happy and at peace, our world can be perceived to be falling apart because we interpret that world through our motivations and emotional state. Probably the most difficult part of the illness is that, rationally, the mind can understand how the motivations have changed so drastically when nothing external has changed in our lives. So now, what about those spiritual emotions that seem to disappear when an episode comes upon us? I believe that the spiritual emotional motivation system is still working underneath that overwhelming feeling of despair and hopelessness. It does have great difficulty rising to the surface, and when it does, it causes such a painful disconnect and confusion between what we are feeling from our mortal body that we often dismiss it without probably even really knowing that we have. Our body and mind really refuses pain and will do almost anything to avoid it. And so to avoid this terrible pain and confusion and disconnect between our two emotional systems, um, our mind and our body begin to disregard the the spiritual one out of pure pain avoidance. Now, with an understanding that we typically do this, one can begin to separate and differentiate between these two emotional systems, not regarding them as the same identical system, and understand why we feel depressed, anxious, and hopeless under conditions where we should not, and why we are feeling both spiritual, the spiritual emotional system, and a mortal system speaking to us very different ideas and feelings at the same time. So what does all this mean for those of us who suffer? Well, I have about five points here that probably may help you to make some sense of all this. One, we have access to a fully developed spiritual emotional system to help direct our lives. Now that isn't news as we should already be aware of the light of Christ exists, but it does provide for understanding as to what I am accessing and why I am feeling the things I do, why I feel truth and what is right and wrong, why I have such strong convictions toward justice, Why my confirmations come to me as they do, it is because of this spiritual emotional system. Now, mental illness, number two, mental illness goes much deeper than our interpreted feelings. It attacks at the very foundational subconscious level, our motivational level, and the most basic of our emotional systems. This means that we are going to have to approach illness with the understanding that it is affecting us at the subconscious level, where we really cannot change or alter it. We need help to access the problems and find solutions through therapy, medications, and other types of treatments. Three, when an episode strikes and we begin to feel that disconnect between the spiritual and mortal emotional systems, we can fully understand what's happening, at least from a rational perspective. For me, it helps me to weather the storm when I understand what is causing the pain and suffering, and I can understand why I feel both spiritual and depressed feelings at the same time. basically why I feel bad at church. Now the four, the spiritual emotional system remains intact and continues to help us if we allow it. Knowing that I'm likely to brush aside the spiritual feelings because of pain, I can better listen for those feelings. Also because I understand that I can stimulate the spiritual emotions by listening to spiritual music, reading scriptures, going to the temple. I can attempt to do those things even when I don't feel like it. I can attempt to discard the negative and focus on the positive. Now, does that always work for me? No, but sometimes it really does help. Now, finally, understanding that I have two competing motivational forces helps me to separate and identify what I am feeling or interpreting. This way, I'm not confusing the emotional mental illness motivations for something spiritual. I can in some ways compartmentalize what I'm feeling and better understand how to address my illness and understand fully why I feel confused or pain in places where I should feel peace. Well, that is it for today. I hope that it's been helpful to you in your quest to better understand your illness, and really this kind of dual motivational systems inside of us. I hope that you will share this with those around you and help them to better understand. May the Lord bless you, and as always, do your part so that the Lord can do His. We'll talk to you next week.